days. Tan Talk, entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Liquor is the business. The moonshine is they got more tricks up their sleeves than you wouldn't believe. And the law looks the other way. You know, and I know that your boy made four runs last week. Deputies chase him 20 miles. Make sure that every now and then comes greed and violence. I could have killed you last night. If you could have killed me, you would have. Randy Quaid is a sheriff on the take. Special agents have been sent up here to put an end to your operation. I think they're on to our little arena. Kyle McLaughlin is a bootlegger running from the feds. There's a difference between fast and dangerous. I'm fast. They're dangerous. And one woman is caught between the two of them. Wendell comes around all the time like he owns the place and me. He scares me, Chad. Now, one little town is turned upside down. Last thing we need around here is a wall. Your boys run liquor down this mountain, I'll stop. Here we go. Time to rock and roll, man. Starring Randy Quaid of Days of Thunder and Midnight Express and Kyle McLaughlin of Showgirls, The Flintstones, and Twin Peaks. Moonshine Highway. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. This is Bill Warner of the Amelia Island Concord Delegates, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tan Talk 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you want to listen to all our 12 and a half years worth of shows, go to nostalgicradiocars.com. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? Ah, I'm doing well. How about you? I like that. That's a new way to say it. You like that one, you huh? You say 12 and a half <laughs> years of shows instead of trying to remember how many exactly. Because <laughs> then you got to say like 640 plus. Or something yeah, something like, like that. 
Anyway. But, but twelve and a half years that works. That works. You could say that for you could say that till May now. I can say that till May. That's exactly right. Well, it actually, it becomes thirteen years. It becomes thirteen years. Thirteen years on the air, live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. That's amazing. Twelve and three quarters now. Something like that. Okay, good. Well, anyway, hey, we got a great show for you tonight. We got a very special guest coming on, and. Um, we're back on track with automobile designers. Now, let me just throw out a few things here real quick. Of course, obviously, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, flacarshows.com. But coming up here in the next couple of weeks, of course, next week is Scottsdale Collective Car Week. And uh, I was going to have some of my friends on from uh, the Arizona Concourse, which they, re- they brought it back. And uh, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. And uh, it used to be years ago, it was at the uh, Biltmore um, resort and spa in in phoenix and it was just really cool because it was in the courtyard and it was kind of in between all the little let's like say bungalows now the biltmore was designed by lloyd wright so and i'm a big well i wanted to be an architect at one point in time in my life i still do a little late but I'll, you know you never know i like to draw anyway and i love construction and i love automotive my three profession my background is basically real estate construction and um and, and automobiles but at any rate Having said that, the Biltmore is just an absolutely stunning piece of history and just a, an amazing hotel. And, of course, RM has their auction there, our good friends over there at RM, Rob Myers and his team. And uh, But the courtyard, it was limited to 3,000 people, and it was on the courtyard there on the grounds of the Biltmore Resort in Phoenix. And it was beautiful because they had somewhere between 70, 80, 90 cars. It's kind of like what you would call a boutique concourse. But some of the finest cars and just exquisite cars and rare cars and unique cars and it was a good mix it was like you know uh, pre-war classics uh the big american heavies out of the 30s um 50s cars 50s classics you know your cadillacs and your thunderbirds and your uh, DeSotos and your imperials and your lincolns and all those really cool car- american-made car packards of course and um and then of course 70s 80s and then a lot of european sports cars and i'm a huge i'm a closet Sports car guy. Um, but anyway, um, so it was just a spectacular event. So I wish those guys the best of luck. Also, you have Goodings Auction. You have, excuse me, Barrett-Jackson, which is the big one. And if you've never been to Barrett-Jackson, you've got to go. You got and, 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 the, and the show that they do outside of Scottsdale is, is great, you know, like they do one in, in uh, West Palm Beach. But you have to get the true experience of Barrett-Jackson. You have to go to Scottsdale. And you've got to be there for the, you know, obviously the Thursday and Friday night. And um, at any rate, um, that's uh, next week. And then, uh, oh, yeah, one of the cool shows that they have there at, uh, at the event is um, called the, it's at the uh, oh, God, Pavilion is the name of the, the apartment con- or the uh, shopping center. A thousand cars. I mean, it's just like coming and going all day long. I mean, they parked their cars there the night before. And uh, so, you know, we uh, just, you just have a really, really great time. Okay. And then, of course, the other thing that's coming up here in the next week, too, is Cavalino, which is all Ferraris down at the Breakers Hotel in West Palm Beach. And we also have the, uh, what else is coming up? Uh, the Rockabilly Show, which I kind of wanted to go to. I think it's this weekend. And it's at the uh, Seminole Casino down in Immokalee, of all places. Now, they're expecting quite a few cars, four, five, six hundred cars there. So that ought to be with, with bands, entertainment, and all kinds of So Google that. Rockabilly Show and uh, down in Immokalee, Seminole. And then, of course, our good friends in uh, Sumter County next month are going to have the Vintage Truck Show at the Sumter County Fairgrounds. Bobby, on that note, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up. No. 
You're going to go to commercial. Yeah, I think we'll do Commer- that. Do the commercial, then we'll do the song, and then we'll do the clip. No, we don't have the clip. We'll do the song, and then we'll get our guests on. Yeah, how, how about, how about I, I do some producing here? You do and, some producing, and then, yeah. Uh, and then we'll do that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com.
Tune into Nostalgia Bedroom Cars, and I'm delighted to introduce our uh, special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a well-known Detroit, I'm going to say contemporary automobile designer, and uh, worked for Ford Motor Company, and he's also credited with being the chief lead stylist on the 2005-2006 Ford GT, one of my favorite cars. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Carmelo Pardo. Carmelo, how you doing, buddy? Good. Great to be on your show. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. So how are things up in Detroit? You got a lot of white stuff on the ground up there? No, it's just cold and wet. Just cold and wet, okay. Just enough to keep the my Mustang off the streets. You keep your Mustang off the streets. Okay, well, speaking of Mustangs, um, what was your first car? I got to ask you that. All right. Um, in 1979... Uh, my mom gave me 400 bucks, and I went and bought a uh, 72 Roadrunner. A Mopar? Really? Okay. Yeah, I had to rebuild the clutch on it. And uh, before I graduated, I bought a, a Barracuda, a 70 Barracuda. Okay, Those good car. cars in high school. Okay, good, good. You had a good start. Mm-hmm. So... Focus. What 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 was the driving force that got you interested in design, art, and specifically automobiles? What uh, when when did you when did that uh, that revelation take place in in in, in your world? Well, um, I was uh, just a kid growing up in New York City uh, around the late sixties and early seventies, and uh, that's when all the great cars hit the street. You know, uh, we had fantastic Mustangs, Corvettes, Cobras. You know, you'd see a Daytona, you know, with the big wing go by, you know, and that kind of stuff, you know, really hit me hard and um, got me excited, you know, about automotive design. And there was a lot of uh, my family, uncles, and everybody, they, they kept me very well informed, you know, Indy and racing and Ferrari and all that. So, um, all those cars that, that you saw in Speed Racer, those Le Mans kind of things, <laughs> yeah. that is what made me want to be a car designer. Okay. Um, what part of New York were you from? 
Um, I was born in Manhattan. I grew up in Queens. Oh, okay. All right, all right. So uh, you were really in the city. Yeah, I was raised in the city the whole time. But I moved here young. I was 10 years old when I came to the Motor City. And uh, from then on, it was just getting more specific about getting into, you know, the college for, uh, you know, uh, College for Creative Studies or Art Center um, to study automotive design and, and then go to one of the big three. So when you were younger, did you have... A natural propensity for drawing? I mean, your creativity and your art, was that just something that kind of worked for you, or did you have to kind of work at it? I come from a family of architects. Oh, really? My mother was a painter, so um, in New York, we we frequent uh, the Museum of Modern Art and the Metropolitan Museum of Art, so I, those were my playgrounds. Oh, interesting, interesting. So, uh, I, I, too, at one point wanted to be an architect. That was my goal when I was younger. And then, of course, I'm from Northern Cal, so everybody knew about the Art Center, College of Design. And our mutual friend, Pete Brock, went there and a number of other people. So when you're a young kid growing up in Cal, you know, that's and you want to be a designer, that's where you want to go. If you're an architect or if you want to be an architect, obviously you go to uh, so, you know Stanford or someplace like that. But you, uh, you're a big Lloyd Wright fan. So who are some of the architects of the day that kind of influenced your uh, your 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 um, design process. Well, I mean, visually, I think the Guggenheim was probably the most interesting building. Okay, the, the most interesting um, museum that we used to go to. I always wanted to take a skateboard to that thing and go all the way down. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Also, your your artwork has a little bit of futurism to it and a little mid-century flair to it tell us a little bit about that because you have an interest in those 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 areas of style well um i was i was influenced a lot as a kid by people like Liechtenstein and warhol uh-huh because they were like giant cartoons you know they were fun to look at you know the, the paintings they were big and bright and they looked like the Sunday Funnies, kind of, you know, uh, that's what they were echoing. Um, my mom was a big fan of Picasso, so La Guardica, the big war painting, was hanging at the MoMA. So we always looked at that, and I knew how to identify Picasso's work pretty quickly as a kid. He was a popular guy, you know, especially with the Latin community. Um that um, I mean, as, as I got older, then you know there was there was other you know influences, Dolly and all these abstract stuff, and, and then more specifics into in the college of you know people that were doing um, figurative work. But I think Warhol was probably the funnest and coolest, and uh, that that kind of graphic quality went into um, my design work. So now we've got... See, when you go to college for industrial design, that is like the engineering of art, you know? So people can be a little... It's not hard to get a little rigid with industrial design, but if you have um, the flair of fine art, it gives it more of a 
abstract organic feel. So uh, it's a good combination to have, you know, the background of fine art as you're going into um, automotive design. When you were at uh, SEMA a few years back, I'm not sure when it was. It might have been 2015, 16, 17, somewhere around there. They were doing a um, uh, a seminar upstairs on design, I believe. And you were one of the guest speakers. And you pulled out some of your, on the screen, on the overhead, you had some of your your drawings up there. And it was really very Jetson-y, you know, and very uh, Sid Mead style, you know, very futuristic, you know, and I was really, really, truly impressed with that. And you also were involved in, I guess, designing, you had some furniture that you had designed. Tell us a little bit about some of those uh, drawings and, and, and perhaps even that, uh, that, that uh, seminar up there. Yeah, well, that, that's always, um, that's an annual thing that is an engineering and design uh, panel discussion. And it's always an honor to be part of that. You see some really cool people in it, other designers and then more technical people. Um, but um, it also gives you the opportunity to share, you know, some of your other stuff, uh, your illustrations and different things that you may get into that reflect on uh, design, like the furniture design and fashion design. Um, that's a lot of fun um, because, like you said, the, uh, the, the drawings look very futuristic, uh, kind of like, you know, uh, and then Sid Mead, who, uh, for people who don't know who that is, he's like the designer of Tron and Blade Runner and Star Trek and all this stuff. He uh, went one of the world's best futurist uh, designers. Uh, we learn this approach in the colleges, and that's our, you know, our goal to be, you know, an advanced designer. Uh, the the designers from the '60s, you know, that were, you know, at work with us, you know, at Ford and everywhere else, and instructors at, at the colleges. Those guys in the '60s. They were drawing really futuristic vehicles, and when you would get, like, uh, an opportunity to just go all out, you know, those things usually uh, were flying cars. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. Thought, they thought that by 2020, we would definitely be flying. So um, that's why there's that, that futuristic appeal in, uh, in the illustrations uh, when it goes to advanced design. Um the furniture, I mean, all different products. Um, you know, you get exposure to all different products when you're in industrial design. And automotive uh, transportation design is one area of industrial design. So um, you're exposed to all that stuff. And uh, exciting furniture, advanced furniture, is, um, is a very interesting area that, um, that is so much fun to approach. And um, easier, too, outside of the fact that they have to be ergonomic, which means that you fit in it well. It's relating to the human body. So um, when you get to design those kind of things, you know, it's, uh, you can push it harder than uh, automotive design because you're not going to hit a wall and burst into flames if you're in a chair. <laughs> you're looking, you know, there's no liability. <laughs> you might fall out of the chair. But anyway, uh, so it makes it safer, 
and uh, you can push it hard. Uh, a group of friends uh, from school, we formed uh, this um, design group called Propeller, probably in the late 80s, 90s, and we got to do all this furniture that I would call sculptural furniture or functional sculpture. And um, it was all welding um, with some uh, glass, sometimes concrete, rubber, but uh, very industrial, but with a friendly approach and um, like a clever sense of humor. So it would it would sell to the nice housewives in the suburbs. Okay. You know, it wasn't just like edgy punk rock nasty furniture. It was, it, you know, it was pleasant. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We showed that furniture all over Detroit, uh, a couple shows in Japan, and even out to Italy. So um, that was that was a great study of um, furniture design, and and I got to show some of it at those discussions. And definitely some fashion. Uh, I did a lot of fashion, and I would um, show it at that at that um, engineering and design panel. So when you when you talk fashion, you're talking about clothing, correct? Yes, fashion design. The um, fashion design involves with the surface of you know of your anatomy. Uh, most of my stuff was for girls, uh, for runway stuff. And uh, the anatomy of a girl uh, has a lot of the same qualities that you'll find in some of the most exciting cars, like a P4 Ferrari, a Ford GT, a Corvette. I mean, and then when you got that kind of anatomy and form, then you put stripes on it, and it amplifies it, and it gets more exciting, and uh, you have to divide it up into different colors and panels and the same thing goes on in fashion design, and uh, you just have to do the patterns and sew it. So um, it's it's um, it's a great field, and um, I you know I pursued it for I still do some of it. Um, I only do one or two outfits a year now. Well, now you have a, a design company, and uh, so you're no longer with Ford. You went out on your own. You've got your own design studio in Detroit, correct? Yes. So. Is fashion and furniture, are these things that you designed and then uh, sell the design and then somebody builds them and produces them, or how does that work? Most of the things that I design outside of the cars are like prototypes. Okay. So there's rarely more than one. You know, I do a concept, and um, I, you know, if you design this, this seat or this coffee table... Um, you will do one. I have seen some of my friends do a series. Sometimes they do a series of the fashion. Okay. But it's usually one of a kind. It's like a, it's like an art piece almost. But it represents what could be done for production. And if you took it to another level and had it engineered for, for production purposes, it probably changed just a little bit. And uh, but. It would be, you know, you could make it feasible. But um, when do, you're doing stuff like that, it, it gets boring to do it twice. Okay. Well, do people ever approach you and say, hey, look, I'd like to buy the rights to this uh, this this design concept and go into production? I mean, does that happen? Um, not really. People usually approach and they want that one. Okay. Like, I want that one. I want that, and that's it. And a lot of people like it. If there isn't a second one, right? <laughs> it's a one of one, 
Let me let me digress here for a second. You went to the Design School Center for Creative Studies in Detroit, and in California, it is the uh, College of Art, our College Design Center, Art Center, Center, College of Design. It's so. How do they compare? Oh well, I've gotten to know Art Center quite well Mm -hmm. now because my friends, you know, teach there, and uh, sometimes they bring me in to do demos. So, well, they're obviously very similar. I personally like the architecture of Art Center better. That's a beautiful building. It's like, you know, I don't know what year it's from, but it's very, you know, very technical. Um, I mean, when I look at buildings like that, I, you know, I, I want to live in it. I wish <laughs> that was my house. <laughs> well, now the, the one we're talking about now is the new building, because they had an old building years ago back in the 50s. That's back when... Uh, um, Oh, the 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 well-known Mims, Strother Mims, I guess was there back then. I met him, Strother McMahon. Mc, yeah. yeah, he bought one of my paintings. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, we had dinner. It's uh, it's great to. I mean, the automotive design world is not that big, so you do get the opportunity to meet some of these people, great people. Like I work, I actually worked for Bill Mitchell really? for a couple of weeks. Um. You know, Strader bought some of my art. I've, uh, you know, gotten to know the Pinaferina guys. Uh, Jajaro, I know very well. Uh, you know, the kid, the dad I've met quite a few times. But in this world of design, you get to, um, you cross paths with all that. I was actually very good friends with Sid, with Sid Mead. He, his house isn't very far from my studio in, in, uh, in L.A., and uh, it's uh, it's great to be around these masters. Um, and then, if you're related to the things that I've been working on um, with the with the GT and uh, SVT and all the Shelby stuff, then you you get to know people like Carol and Dan Gurney while they're alive. You get to know them well. Well, we were in uh, Las Vegas a few years back, and uh, Peter Brock has his, uh, you know, his gathering that during that yep. week of SEMA, and you were up there, and we were up there, and you and Pete had a real interesting uh, conversation, and I was sitting there listening to you guys, and I took a picture of you and Pete drawing on a, on a, uh, a drawing a sketch, and uh, he, you drawing yours, he kind of doing a few little things, and I thought that was very interesting because this collaboration between you know someone like Peter Brock, obviously the the father of the Daytona Coupe, and worked with Carol Shelby, and then you, kind of like very instrumental in the in the in the rebirth, the recreation or the or the the redesign of the original Ford GT40, which now the GT. So, what was that like for you, working with someone like Peter? Well, it's um, like I said, it's fantastic to be able to meet and get to know these important people in the world of design, mm-hmm. and with Peter. It's an interesting connection because when Carol started, you know, developing the Cobras and the Daytona Coupe from the Cobra, that was his designer, you know, and I think that was basically his only designer. And then all those years went by, and then Ford, you know, made the effort to reintroduce the the Ford GT, and I got to work with Carol, you know, for his last few years, his last 10 years. So we are like the, the bookend. You know, working with Carol on a fantastic car. 
How much input did Carol have on the car? Carol was there, you know, discussing the technical stuff. Okay. I can remember specific discussions like in the engine and all that, why we had to go with the engine that we did. But um, he told me, he says, Camillo, I've learned to stay out of that design stuff many <laughs> years ago. And uh, he, just, he just, you know, he looked at it and he told me he liked it and it was great. So he didn't get involved with the aesthetic of the vehicle. He was there to make the vehicles win races. And uh, that's what happened with the Mark One, uh, which was the first Ford GT that was racing like in 1964 and 65. And when they let Carroll have at it, then he made it into the Mark II. Now, the Mark II is not as sexy in the rear area. It's a little bit more square, and there's some strange uh, air intakes all over it, but it didn't matter. It was, it still had great proportions. It was a fantastic car, but it was designed to win, and it won. And then they designed the Mark IV, and that was designed to win, too. But that was also, that was a very, very... Uh, like a racing geometry to the body of that car. The uh, you started with Ford in what? Around 1985, I think. 85, 86, somewhere. Exactly. Right? So yeah. when you first started working at Ford, how did that work? Did they just go over to the uh, design school center and just pluck you out? Did you have to submit anything? Did you have to qualify? Did you have to? How did that work? And why Ford yeah. and not Chrysler and, and General Motors? Yeah, all the big three. They, they kind of watch over um, CCS like, you know, like Hawks, because it, that's their hometown um, environment, and they get to watch the uh, the students evolve from, you know, it, the first sight, I think they get, they get to see around second year, and they definitely uh, got a scope on third year, because fourth year, they can't afford to have anybody else get the best guy. Girl, um, <laughs> okay. it, it's just bad. It's bad for them. They they have to take them, and it becomes a little you know it gets competitive. And in the school back when I went, um, the classes were really small. Uh, my first year, there was a graduation class of one guy in uh, from the automotive, uh, the transportation department, and that was Kevin Hunter, who's at Calpe. But um, then there was. The next year, there was a, the very large class of four, and they held that wow. for two years. And finally, my class was really large with seven, and and we are all fighting to be the best in class. And when that happens, and well, GM, Ford, and Chrysler come up, and they want you know they want to make you an offer, and you pick one out. Uh, there's also a lot of companies. You know, uh, they came in from Japan and came in from Europe. I did an internship in France in my third year, so I didn't even do an intern at the um, at one of the big three. But by the time I graduated, Ford had the 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 best offer because I wanted to leave Detroit, and they said, "Well, you can. We'll send you to Italy, Germany, and England." I said, "Well, I'm on it." You know. Well, wow! What was that like? That was fantastic. Europe was a a great place to to get started, like you you know in your early years. Um, I got exposed to Europe 
in my third year, and you know, my dream was to graduate from college and get the hell over to Europe. And I didn't have to. Uh, they recruited me to do this overseas internship. I designed a concept car that was a Renault Fighter. And by 1986, when I was working at, at Gia, we went to the Paris oh, wow. Auto Show, and my car was on a turntable across from the Ford display. And I said, look, there's my car. It was interesting to see um, something that you had done a couple of years go into full size and be on a turntable. That's impressive. It was actually the cover of the program, too, and the posters around town. So I was really shocked. But it was a fun car. Spiders are very attractive. I mean, when you design a spider, you're designing a car to be really, really attractive and something that people want to, you know, gather around and look. Even if you don't buy one, you always want to go look at the spider. Spider meaning uh, an open two-seat roadster sport or sports car yeah, convertible, exactly. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spider like a little roadster two-seater. Mm-hmm. So when they, so you worked at Gia, then that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was fun to work out there. I worked there in '86 for the first time, and then I was there from '94 to '97, and then I came back and did some other projects there and other places in Torino with Ford as okay. we developed concept cars and um, and some of the work on the Ford GT. Now, Tom Chiarda, who uh, was responsible for the design of the Pantera, um, was he at, he was at Kia back then, wasn't he? He was before me. Okay. Um, that building had so much history. I mean, the Panteras came out of there, the Mangusta. Mangusta, right. Um, and they used to have, like, this little showroom um, with a bunch of the cars from way back, you know, that you could you walk through that, you know, on the way to the, the shop. And their history is fantastic. Because Ford didn't get Gia until, like, I think, 73 or something. So for all the years before that, it was doing um, all kinds of vehicles, you know, across, you know, Europe and in U.S. too. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a building with a lot of history, and it was, it was fantastic to be part of it and work there. And, uh, and Torino is the motor city of Italy, mm-hmm. so that was a lot of fun. It was a great city to be in and um, get to know and live there and really enjoy it properly. And, and Europe, um, uh, the countries are all so close so that, you know, you could go see your buddies at Stuttgart over the weekend, you know, the Porsche guys, or you can go to Monaco in a couple hours or whatever you want. And there's Formula One races left and right. Interesting. Now, when you were well, now uh, Torino, you know, being the motor city of Italy, and then obviously the the big car that's made there is the Fiat. Did you get a chance to wander off to Modena and Sag- San- Santa Agata? Is that the, for with Lamborghini? And and did you get to tour all those places as well? Ferrari and Lamborghini. I went to Modena. Okay. But um, we didn't get to go in. But um, I did get a nice shirt from the shop. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I did have friends that worked at Fiat, and that was a lot of fun. We'd hang out, you know, in Torino at night. There were a couple California surfers, to tell you the truth, you know, that they were working at Fiat. I found them at, you know, at a late-night bar. You know, the Italians dragged me over and says, hey, we know some Americans. 
And it's like these two these two surfers that were working for Fiat. Like, oh great, so now we're to be friends. <laughs> and uh, it was good. They uh, they both went back to LA. Um, it was. I got to go into the Pinafrina uh, place quite a bit. Oh. Funny enough, with the Ford GT program, and then I used to know. Oh, I know Frank Stephenson. Uh, Frank and I worked together in Cologne. So while he was the director of Ferrari, you know, I I met him at Pinaferina, and uh, we also did other work with Pinaferina. It's a beautiful building, you know, uh, the way it's laid out. There's glass on both ends, like in the lobby, so the light shines through. Um, uh, there's uh, a beautiful uh, Ferrari piano, the forma on the wall of the R12 uh, Speciale, which is my one of my favorite Ferraris. And then they have just a, a great spread of cars. And they did give us a little bit of tour, and, and, you know, some of the development rooms. But yeah, it's a it's an incredible city with that energy, you know, of you know, of all these fantastic vehicles. And not only that, like the Motor City here um, puts out a lot of music and talent, DJs, you know, and famous, you know, famous rock stars. Torino does the same, too. They have a great music team. Interesting. So, and uh, it, it's another city kind of created around a river. You know, there's a river that runs through the middle, and, uh, and everything's right downtown. So a lot of parallels, a lot of a lot of similarities between uh, Torino and Turin and uh, Detroit. Let me ask you this: So you keep referencing Pininfarina and the Ford GT. Is there a connection there? There was because it was really interesting, and you know everything's so confidential. But my God, that's like twenty years ago. We were investigating doing the prototype with Pininfarina. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I was kind of confused. I was like, so what is this going to be, you know, a combination of the two nations at war at Le Mans? <laughs> you know, the Ferrari, the Ferrari and GT together in the future. And uh, so we got to go there, review their place, take a really, really good look at their production line. Their F40 was... I mean, I had come out in 89, so it was more or less recent. Um, the 360 was their state-of-the-art, you know, the, the common car, the common Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And um, But then at the end of the day, you know, my VP decided that um, we're just going to build a prototype here close to home. I'm like, you know, wherever you want to build it, I'm fine. How did you get tasked with the uh, the the position of being the lead designer for the Ford GT? All that I think started with with what with the questions that you kind of asked about college. Okay. When when we graduated, you know, when I graduated, I want to make sure that I had a very advanced design portfolio, like my drawings on the wall and my models. You know, I wanted them to look like super future. So when they um, they picked up two of us and they put us in the, in the advanced design studio immediately and we were put on a mid-engine car right away. So 
my career at Ford started with a mid-engine car, and we were working on it. was called the GN34, and Ford purchased the Testarossa and drove it into our studio. That was fantastic. Oh, and then wow. we got to try it. We also had access to a 308, a 928, an MR2, Corvette. I mean, everything was there. And all you had to do was just go go get the keys. And the only one, the only keys you had to ask for was the Ferrari key. But the rest you could just grab off a hook <laughs> and and take it home. It was crazy. I think I caught the tail end of the madness. Anyways, um, so we did that, and then ten years that car didn't come to production. It, it, it got canceled. I was in Italy working. I got to notice that it got canceled because of the the dollar exchange or some financial situation. Um, and then 10 years later, uh, my boss told me that we're going to start on this thing called the GT90. And um, I got to start doing all the homework for that and doing the drawings and the tape drawings and uh, preparing for that project. Um, that was supposed to be like a, a GT40 of the 90. Um, and then that car just uh, ended up as, as just a concept car. And 10 years after that, the same director came up to me and said, Camillo, you're going to have to start this, uh, the GT40. So I was like, this is fantastic. I mean, it's going to be my third mid-engine car. Um, and some people are at Ford maybe 30, 40 years, and they never touch a mid-engine car. To go back to the to GT90, that was actually a prototype concept car with a 10-cylinder in it, wasn't it, originally? Yeah, it was on a Jaguar XJ220, uh-huh. and I believe they welded two six-cylinders together. Okay. I think. I have to do my homework on that. But it was a... It was... Like, there's certain cars that you call courtyard drivable. Uh-huh. You know, so they're governed... Uh, they're not engineered properly, so they're only good for, like, driving up on stage or driving to do a video shoot, um, those kind of things. Um, so that was not a ultimate performance prototype. Neither was our Ford GT. They definitely governed that thing at 35. And uh, I remember driving it on the track with the workhorse next to it. Obviously, the workhorse had the performance at speed. But um, we taped them together. But um, it's it's great to see uh, your concept car car go from that one of one prototype to um, to the stage where it's developing into a production car, and then finally production cars that where at least the the, um, the CP units uh, and the cars that we did for Laguna Seca when we unveiled it to the uh, to the press with with Carol. Shelby was there, Lennel was there, Jackie Stewart, Dan Gurney, everybody. They got I got to go on rides with those guys. They they took me around the track at speed. Oh wow. What a, what yeah. what what a priceless experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's fantastic. I got a lot of photos of them. I got some re- really great shot of Carol Shelby and Jackie Stewart having a serious conversation. <laughs> and, uh, it's like the world of power. Interesting, interesting. Well, now, I am told that even though it was three, four years in development, the actual production from the time that it was conceived that we're going to put this car in production and build one and get all the stuff finalized was what, uh, a little over a year? 
Yeah. Um, I think that that was probably the fastest I've seen uh, going from concept to production. Concept car to production car that rolls out on the track uh, was, I believe, 18 months. Something like 15 or 18 months. And Celine built the, the GTs, right? It was built in Celine's factory? Yeah, Steve? the first thing that we did when we got the green light for production, that was about two months after the auto show, um, Bill Ford selected our car to be uh, like a featured car for the Centennial. I remember asked, that. He approached, yeah, he approached our engineers and asked, you know, is this, can you guys really do this? And, of course, they said yes. And, um, well, thank God for the engineers that I was working with at the Advanced Design Studio. We worked really hard to do the concept car in a way that it represented a production vehicle. I mean, I, you know, I was was pissed off that the car... Was uh, at that point, it was not going to be a production car. They changed it just to a concept car because of uh, a lot of problems that were going on at Ford and the world. Nine Eleven just happened, and and we were having problems with the Explorer. And uh, they said, "Oh, you know, we better scrap the production car, and we're committed for the for the for the concept car." You know, at the auto show, so let's just finish that up. Well, there was three cars at the Centennial in Hunt, in, uh, in Detroit because I was there for that, and they rolled those up there, and that's when they also did the unveiling of the S197, you know, the J. May and did the, the new 95 and newer Mustang. So yep. that was yep. pretty cool. Yeah, that was one big delivery. I remember that, and we had cars one, two, and three there. And that was kind of funny because that was the easiest selection of color. And my and Jay Mays asked me in his office, "Hey, we'll call, we'll, we'll, you know, because it took us so long to pick the yellow for the damn concept car." And he goes, "What do you think we should do the three cars?" And I just said, "Red, white, and blue." blue. Yeah. Okay, that's done. <laughs> that's done. <laughs> that was so fast. Wow. Well, Camille, we're uh, we're up against the clock here. Um, so we got a little less than a minute left. Why don't you tell people, if they want to find out more about you, give some information as far as your, your social media and your website and stuff. Well, unfortunately, I don't spend as much time on social media as I should. Okay. But um, you can find me. My website is CamilloPardo.com, and, or you could just email me direct at Camillo at CamilloPardo.com. So it's just my name. Okay. Super easy. And then you. Yeah, that's one L. And then mm-hmm. I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. That w- it's with one L, not two. Okay. And then also, but you know what? I'd love to have you back on the show again. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other stuff that you've worked on, and then also this uh, uh, Detroit Auto Designers Night that you do that invites automobile designers from all over the world at your studio in Detroit. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we've been doing that for quite a while. We just did our 23rd annual and. We'll find people here like, uh, like Jajaro and and the VPs of GM Ford and Chrysler, and uh, Willie Davison used to hang out here. It's uh, it's a it's a mix of the world, you know, designers all under one roof for that one night. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, 
you're welcome to come. We'll have to do that. That and the other one I want to t- participate in is the Eyes on Design. That's supposed to be pretty fantastic as well. Yeah, that's a great show, and it's at the Eleanor Estate. Uh, there's usually a party associated with that. Uh, this year, we had Peter Brock, uh, won the Lifetime Achievement thing there. Um, a lot of very important people have won their Lifetime Achievement at that uh, at that function. I've done the poster once, and I'm ready to do it again. It was a fun piece. Well, but, Camilo... Um, I want to uh, thank you for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Love to have you back on again. Hopefully, I'll see you at some of the shows. I'll be out at Seaman, probably Monterey, and that's where I usually see you kind of hanging out with your, some of your cool cars. And uh, we'll have you back. We'll talk more about cars and design. How about that? Sounds good, Bobby. Okay. You take care, okay? And a happy New yeah, Year to you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. I want to thank my very special guest, Camilo Pardo, designer for Ford Motor Company. He's now... Uh, a pretty well-known designer, has his own design studio in Detroit, uh, futuristic drawings, furniture, cars, look him up, he's a great guy, swell guy, very approachable, very easy to talk to. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars that we get every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. You can go find us here in downtown Clearwater doing our thing, talking about cars. We've got some great guests coming up for you this year. Okay, we've got some more designers, more car stuff, more race car drivers, musicians, and uh, a lot of cool stuff. And don't forget to check out some of the car shows that are coming up. Go to our website. we got a lot of stuff posted on there. And uh, don't forget to check out flacarshow.com. In the meantime, thank you very much, Bobby, for your production. And uh, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3.